Welcome to a brand new edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, it is the very first podcast of 2024, uh, and we're going to be taking on a topic uh, right out of the gate that is on everyone's mind uh, when we start this year, is we have an election coming up. You know, we wanted 2024 to get back to some type of normalcy, uh, you know, after the pandemic and after everything we've had going on on the show, we were looking for a little calmness, but... Hey, Rick, election year, no way to be calm with that. Well, and, and let's, let's try to get ourselves educated on what's going on. And there is a, a book that is available right now by Drew Thomas Allen. Uh, Drew's with us on the very first uh, Rick and Bubba University of the year. It's called America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? Provocative words from Drew Allen, and he joins us now. Drew, welcome to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Good to be with you, gentlemen. So, uh, you know, you hear a, a provocative title like that in the subtitle. Um, now, we're not going to pretend that never in the history of the world have we been told, hey, this election coming up. Now, this election this is coming it. up. This is it. We, we, we've been told that before. Uh, let's get started by you telling all who are watching and or listening right now, why is what we just read on the cover of your book, not an exaggeration, and what makes this election so unique? Yeah, so firstly, I would I would explain to people, and that's largely the point of the book, is to get people to understand the gravity of the situation. 2024 is truly uh, an election unlike any other, certainly in our lifetimes, and I would say this is the third major battle we faced as a nation. We're trying to deal with reclaim our destiny peacefully, of course, through the elect uh, uh, through elections. And of course, we know the Democrats are trying to deprive us of that. But this is as serious as 1776 with the American Revolution and 1861 with the Civil War. This is an inflection point in American history. And the reason this election is so significant is not just the fact that the stakes have never been higher because we've never lurched this far to the left so quickly in our history. Uh, we've never had an illegal invasion like we're facing. I mean, everything that we are challenged with domestically because of the oatmeal brain in the White House, uh, it, it's it's unparalleled. You cannot compare it to even the Barack Obama administration, even though, of course, this is his third administration. Um, and so the, the greatest threat, look, we've got the, the border situation, we've got the economy, we've got national security. These things are serious threats. And... That is, unfortunately, all of that even pales in comparison to the unprecedented election interference and the effort by the Democrat Party to engage in, yes, banana republic tactics and prosecute unlawfully, unjustly, and jail their, the leading political opponent of, of the, the GOP. So, you know, this is serious stuff that we've got to wrap our heads around, and we've got to accept that we're in this perilous situation. We cannot put our heads in the sand, and then we can take action. Drew, uh, let, let's break down some of these issues a little bit at a time. Uh, let's start with immigration, since you brought that up. And then I, I definitely want to hit Trump being prosecuted uh, and taken off ballots, too. But let's look at the border. We've had, depending on reports, around 2 million illegal entries into our country over the past few years, 300,000 last month. Um, and it's making its way around the internet now, the picture of three Rose Bowls, what that looks like and the number of people. Um, 
how the, the Biden administration obviously is for a wide open border because they've done nothing to stop it. As a matter of fact, Texas has engaged this week some new laws and the Biden administration has filed a lawsuit against them to have them struck down. Why do you think they want this mass immigration or really invasion of millions of people into our country? What's the end game with that? Well, there are a couple different reasons for it, and it's um, they're adding new reasons to it for the 2024 election, which is to have these people actually vote uh, in some of these swing states where Democrats control the legislature. So like in a Philadelphia, like you saw, for example, at the border recently, uh, a video of these uh, illegals showing up from all over the place and they're being asked, you know, where they're headed. And they say, well, hold on a second. And they pull out a piece of paper and they've got an address in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I mean, who is so, you know, this this is this is obviously by design. Um, they are going to try and use these illegals, in my opinion. And I think Trump has come out and suggested it recently as well uh, to vote. But this is about look, when we talk about replacement theory, right, the Democrats uh, favorite taboo word that's actually their theory that they're enacting and they want to say that that's some kind of white supremacist talk. Uh, it's not really just about uh, replacing whites, uh, it is in the sense that the United States is still a majority, you know, European ancestor uh, based, you know, nation. So, yes, there are a lot of white people here, but it's really about replacing Americans. So, you know, one of the the things that stands in the way of the tyrant of the Democrat Party in this in this case is the American people. Uh, even even with all of the indoctrination going on in the country, there are still many Americans that are you know, patriotic, even if they agree with certain Democrat policies. And they've still got enough uh, patriotism in their DNA to kind of stand up and oppose what the Democrats ultimately want for Americans. And so by importing all these uh, illegals, if you will, they're coming from third world world countries. uh, It's about replacing Americans. And so these people don't have any comprehension of our history. They don't care about America. They don't care about exceptionalism. They don't care about George Washington. They don't care about the Constitution. They're just coming here for freebies. And so these people aren't particularly uh, enthusiastic or educated or informed about uh, politics. They have no idea about how great America is or why. Uh, they would come here and vote for Democrats if they will give them uh, you know, freebies. And so on and so forth. And that's the difference in the immigration today, by the way, is that, yes, it's it's illegal. But, you know, if you look at the turn of the century, uh, 20th century, you know, early 1900s, the immigrants that came to Staten Island, there was no welfare state. They were coming here because they wanted opportunity, because they desperately thirsted to be Americans. And you read these stories about these early immigrants coming from Italy. They did not speak English. They spoke Italian, obviously, a husband and a wife in some flat they're renting, you know, that that, that's some, you know, looks like, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure it's in in terrible straits and they would speak to each other in English. They couldn't even understand because they wanted to learn. They wanted to uh, become American. And and these people don't want to become American. They're coming because Joe Biden has has let them know uh, we will just steal money from Rick and Bubba and Drew and uh, they will make sure that your health care is provided for as long as you vote for us. Well, and that goes back to the question Bubba and I have been asking uh, on the weekly show for years. We're, we're trying to figure out, and, and your book does, does try to go down this road, but what is the end game for the Democrats 
if they turn America into something that it never has been, and yes, they have voters who are now, you know, uh, enslaved for lack of a better word to them for the check that they will provide. Is it just about power? I'm because as, as we've seen throughout all tyrannical governments throughout time, the ruling class lives a different life than everybody else. Is that it? The, the ruling class, their life will still be so good. It really doesn't matter if the life of those that they are now tyrannical over is terrible. They, they still come out of this good. You know, Bubba's thing he's always said is you become king, but you become king of what? Yeah. Uh, squalor. Uh, but, it, but is it so good being the ruling class, it's worth it? Uh, there's a mental illness aspect to it. This is an excellent question. I love talking about this because, for, look, between us and your audience, none of us will ever understand it. That's the reality. It's like, why did Ted Bundy do what Ted Bundy? Can anybody get in Ted Bundy's mind? I can right. talk to shrinks and I understand his mommy issues and so on and so. But I, I'm not an evil person. I will never understand how a human being can do what that person did. I'll never understand these people because I wake up every day, Rick and Bubba, and I have a nine-month-old daughter. I want to provide for my family. You know, I'm passionate about things like uh, golf. I'm passionate about things like reading. I'm passionate about things like hosting, you know, dinners for my friends at my house with my my chef mm -hmm. wife. You know, these are the things that I'm engaged in. But these people, uh, the Democrats you're talking about, tyrants throughout history, their passion is ruling over people. Their passion is power. It's punishing people. You, you see this maybe in the workplace with certain bad bosses or something like that. Like, why does this person get off on treating me brutally? Why does this, this person seem to enjoy making my life miserable? There's an emptiness in this person. Look, this gets into spirituality, gentlemen, as well. I'm a Christian. This is about trying to fill some, some uh, uh, hole in your heart, in your soul, uh, with something other than than than, than religion, frankly, uh, with God, with Jesus. I mean, I, I'm very serious about this. Yeah. And so these people fill it with this anger. The, you know, they're consumed by this. And so, yes, these people they do not care. In fact, the more we suffer, the better. It's not just that it doesn't. It's not just that these people think, okay, as long as I am eating steak and these people don't have any meat to eat, okay. they can eat the bugs. It's not about that. It's about, look what these people are doing. I control them. Right. And, you know, you just have to understand we're in a, in a fight of good versus evil. Yeah, and really you've explained it, it, if, if, if human beings in our fallen state are left unredeemed, because we too are, are followers of Christ, then we fall back to our sin nature. And in our sin nature, just look at every homeowners association. We just like to tell other people what to do. Uh, we like to, we like to be the 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 king, the the queen, the the tyrant. We we want to rule over other people in our fallen state. Uh, we'll come back. I, I want to take on that. We'll we'll talk about you know some of the stuff you mentioned in the book about Trump and the attempt to remove him. Uh, we'll ask uh, you know a qu uh, the question you talked about. We're going to delve in more about this is good versus evil. We're going to get a little deeper on that, too. The book's called America's Last Stand by Drew Thomas Allen. He's our guest, and we'll be back with more when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. Our guest today on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, is uh, Drew Thomas Allen, or, or as we call him, Drew Allen. Uh, America's Last Stand 
uh, is the book, Will You Vote to Save or Destroy America in 2024? He says these words are not hyperbole. All right, Kevin, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Drew, you got me thrown off with all the names, Rick. Uh, <laughs> Drew, l- let's take another issue. And again, it, it, it becomes political, but I, I, I'm trying to see the logic in this. Um, and it's with the, the green movement now, the wow. big push on that. You know, we're going to do away with oil, no more drilling, no more pipelines. Um, even if you think the burning of combustion fuels are bad and they're destroying the planet, okay, and the answer is to go to battery cars, there's a couple of problems with that. One, in my mind, you're only transferring the burning of these fuels from tailpipe to smokestack because they have to be charged. But I I think one of the more illogical ideas in this is that we're going to quit pumping oil out of the ground because if you have battery cars, the number one thing you're going to have to have is plastic or medical, uh, uh, you know, society has to have a lot of plastic in in treating patients and of you know, about 50% of every gallon that's pumped now goes to some kind of plastics. It, it does, is that just illogical for the idea that we're going to quit pumping oil out of the ground? Well, it's an absolute farce and a hoax. And it doesn't stand up to any basic scrutiny, including the few points you just made there. One, climate change is a hoax. It, 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 I mean, that that's, that's the reality of this. The Earth is 454 billion years old, according to the climate scientists. And they want to tell us that we have surface temperature data that goes back to the 1880s. And based on that, what, 144, 145 years of data, that's definitive proof that we're responsible for climate change. I mean, why did Antarctica used to have palm trees and crocodiles? It was like a, a beach resort. And there was more carbon dioxide in the air than there is today. And that was millions and millions and millions of years ago. And they can't explain any of this stuff. And they lie. And of course, the earth does change. The climate does change. This is one of the genius rhetorical devices they employed. It's like Black Lives Matter. Do Black Lives Matter? Well, yes, but, and they've got you because, of course, BLM is a Marxist movement. But Black Lives Matter, who can argue? Of course, all lives do matter. Black Lives Matter, too. Uh, climate change. Of course it changes. It's changing all the time right now. I'm freezing. I don't have heater in my house, by the way. And they're installing one today. I'm freezing. You know, I was going to put on something nicer for you guys. But I'm like, I'm going to freeze. Um, so, yes, look, um, even if you wanted to switch to, you know, this quote unquote green new energy, it's not reliable, of course. It's not practical. It's impossible. You want to do windmills and solar. Those are the two primary replacements. Well, you know, what do you do? And, you know, most of these states uh, they have very few days of pure sunshine. There are a lot of cloudy days in Montana. Uh, not everywhere is California, for example. And of course, they're they're inefficient in terms of of turning that that into usable power and energy. And then, you know, windmills, of course, you've got to have a certain speed. I don't know if it's eight, nine, 10 miles per hour of wind to get them moving to generate. But, you know, what are you going to do? Put these up everywhere? I mean, it, they can only go in certain places. And then to your point, the batteries in these uh, Teslas and other vehicles, uh, we have no way really of disposing them. The same thing with the solar panels. You know, California, it's amazing. Uh, Nobody wanted solar panels. So, of course, you know, 20 years ago or so, a little more maybe, they incentivized it by subsidizing it. 
And so everyone installed these solar panels, but they do not to this day uh, have a means of getting rid of them safely because there's all kinds of toxins in them. There's lead in them, uh, all of these different components that can kill you. And now we're in a situation where you have more solar panels than anywhere else in the country here in California and n nothing to do with them. So it it's ridiculous. It, what, what, what will happen, and I pointed out in the book, if we go forward with this and they're trying to, you know, ban uh, gas powered vehicles by 2035 in California and even in the nation at large, the Biden administration is if we go down this, what you're going to have is uh, energy shortages. So they will control your movement because there won't be enough electricity. Remember California. They, they, we had a really hot day a couple of years ago, I think it was. And they told, you know, Tesla owners and electric vehicle owners not to charge their vehicles. So you're stuck. And this is what's going to happen. People will be pining for the days of even overpriced, uh, costly, expensive fuel because at least you could buy it. Mm -hmm. And now in, in the future, you're not going to be able to even access it. So let's unpack that because you do you talk about that in the book, this this climate change movement, man-made climate change. As you said, of course, there's been climate change. What hasn't been proven is that what role does mankind play in it and at any level or any significant level? Now, what they want you to do, and this is how they, they've been working for forever with the Democratic Party, if something is illogical and can't be logically discussed, then they have to come up with a way for you not to be able to discuss it. So what they've done beautifully is they're saying if you question man-made climate change, on it raising the price of your utilities or whatever, it's because you don't care about saving the planet. We must do this because it will save the planet. So don't question anything we're doing, John Kerry, on the private plane, <laughs> yeah. because what I'm doing is so important. Any inconsistency you see in my life, you cannot point that out because that means you don't want to save the world. That means you want us all to die. And when they established this, we were warned about this by the founding fathers, that a tyrannical government will always try to scare us into giving up liberty. Always. The, well, I know we're taking away your liberty, but we're doing this to protect you. We saw this run wild during the pandemic. And we're, but, but you point out in the book, this they're also doing this with man-made climate change to come up with a topic to implement what they want to that you can't question. I'm so happy that you bring that up because that's the link. If people want to understand what their life is going to be like with climate change, all they have to do is look back to 2020 right. and even into 2021 where I live in California to understand what that looks like in a practical way that you're going to experience. Because people think, oh, this won't affect me. It's in the future. It is. Climate change, in fact, is the natural progression from uh, the COVID lockdowns. And... The same people you'll notice that supported and championed uh, the the COVID lockdowns and mandates are the same people cheering John Kerry, Gavin Newsom, right? All these people that are cheering uh, what would really be climate lockdowns as well. And fear is the same tactic. So it, it's like with COVID, what they did, for example, now we have a lot of questions we still don't know. We don't know how deep our own involvement was in developing the virus. We know that we were involved. We don't know about the intentional release of it. Uh, we do know that in the end, COVID was uh, no more serious a threat than, you know, a flu. Um, and so what they did, though, in COVID is they tried to convince you that 
man had never experienced death or disease or illness before in our <laughs> history, that this was something novel. And so they would run the reports on every news station talking about hospitalizations. They would they would they would tell you that, you know, there weren't rooms at hospitals, but you can go back. And, and if people want to I, I, I go back to 2017 when we had a bad flu year, the same rhetoric was done then. They talked about you know, oh, we have to, you know, put up tents outside because, you know, there's not enough room in the hospital. There's so many flu patients and children and so on and so forth. But they wanted to, like, wipe, erase our memories, you know, like that men in black thing where they have the pen and yeah. they just, you know, <laughs> zap you and you forget everything. Right, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what happened. And so climate change, it's, it's the same. Um, it's the same strategy. 100% the same strategy. It's hysteria. It's tr on a hot day taking advantage of that and trying to make you think that it's never been hot before. They, they want you to ignore all of history before. Um, so it's really insidious. The, the thing that's more, that's even worse about the climate agenda is that COVID was real. I mean, the, the lockdowns and mandates, the, what, how they, what they did with it obviously was absolutely wrong. They lied about everything, but I mean, I got, I got COVID. I mean, it was real. Uh, the, the climate change, man-made climate change is not real. We are not responsible right. yeah. for the changing climate. Uh, now we can throw stuff in a river and make it dirty and undrinkable and stuff sure. like that. But in terms of the climate and really it's about controlling you as well, because you look at the rhetoric from the climate change people and what you find is they really hate human beings. And there's no difference between the CO2 that I am spewing right now with my uh, passion about this topic than out of your car or anything else. So ultimately uh, if they can regulate CO2, what's to stop them ultimately from regulating you? Because uh, we spew a lot of CO2 into the atmosphere over the course of our lives. Yeah, and, and man-made climate change, the hysteria, and, and Bubba and I pointed this out on the weekly show, and I even pointed this out when we were picking out appliances when we were getting ready to build a, a new house, and there was a company I won't name, and they used to make an incredible claim about their, <laughs> uh, about their sub-zero uh, refrigerators. All right. And, I, and, and they begin to warn us that the ones that were to come, they might not be able to make the same claims. And I said, let me guess, it's climate change, and the, the product this is going to produce, that the government's going to make you produce, will not be as good as what you have now, but it'll cost more. And the guy looked at me, and he said, you are 100% right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, it, but see, the, see, normally we wouldn't tolerate that. But the minute you say you won't tolerate it, they come back with, so you don't want to save the planet. What a wicked person. You don't want to save the planet. Why won't you pay more for something that's not as good? You'll do it to save the planet, won't you? And 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 so, that, and like you said, this is a tactic that's been used for a long time. But on this one, they almost, as you have pointed out, have got us in a position to where we can't quite prove there isn't Bigfoot, but none of us really think there is or there's no been definite proof of it. But they keep telling you Bigfoot exists and everything we're doing is to keep you from being killed by Bigfoot. And, and, and so with that, if you get one of those, well, you can run forever Yeah, because no one's asking you to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. And yeah, they put it on you. I mean, they, they can't prove this is actually climate change, man-made climate change. I mean, they use models and so on and so forth. Here's the thing too. I, I, it's insane to me that anyone buys this because they've never gotten a single prediction correct in the seventies. It was 
We were going <laughs> to die from a nuclear winter. Right. The climate was cooling, and we were responsible for that. The coming and ice age is what it was called. Yep. Time Magazine. Yep. I have a copy of it on my wall. Oh, yeah. Everyone should put this up in their house just to laugh at these people whenever they talk about this and want to be taken seriously. Uh, and then, of course, they changed it. And they said, I mean, this is the big and then they said global warming. But then they realized that that wasn't effective in the wintertime when you have polar vortexes and people are freezing right, in the right. East Coast. Or when your heater goes out in Northern California like me, it doesn't sound so good. Global warming, I'm freezing. So then it's climate change. Yeah. And People really need this is this is really an existential threat to America and our way of lives. Climate change is not an existential threat. Man-made climate change isn't. But it's the government and the Democrat Party and the climate agenda that really is an existential yeah. threat to our way of life. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation. The book is America's Last Stand. Get it, get educated and be ready to cast an informed vote this year. Uh, it's just Drew Thomas Allen's the author. We'll talk more with him when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. So our guest today is Drew Thomas Allen. The book is America's Last Stand. We're talking about the upcoming election. So, Drew, I want to ask you a question about something that I noticed in the book. It's obvious if you look at the book and uh, the fact that you have Scripture in the book, and you've already said now on the podcast that you are a man of faith, the Christian faith, and you take on a topic in here, again, one that we've discussed too, Bubba, and I've seen it. It's real. So those that share your beliefs and our beliefs, everybody, including you, and, and we've said this too, believe that Donald Trump is the best candidate for where we are in history based on what he did the last time we gave him a chance, okay? But there is a, a, an uneasiness with some evangelical Christians that to vote for Donald Trump is to not be true to their faith. And, and, and you take that on in the book, Talk to those voters right now. Yeah, well, I am one of those voters. Right. So I speak as one of you, not as somebody who right. is an atheist and doesn't care. Uh, I'm a pragmatist. Um, you know, God certainly works through imperfect people. And, you know, a lot of people want to cast now DeSantis as the the antidote, you know, because he's the Christian and so on and so forth. He's going to disappoint people, too. Um, that's not true as well. No one is perfect. And, uh, you know... I think that these these expectations we have that we we hold people to this certain level, uh, I mean, they're unrealistic in so many ways. And my, my issue is revisionist history. A lot of people are not being honest about Trump's some of Trump's failures. I mean, look, Trump was not perfect. He's not perfect. No one's perfect. Ronald Reagan was not perfect, by the way. And you can go back in hindsight is always 2020. Right. Um, but, you know, people have to understand politics too, right? So I'll give you a perfect example. This is indisputable. Donald Trump has done more for the pro-life movement. Because look, that the pro-life movement, this is the evangelical, like if we were single issue voters, yeah. it's the abortion issue, right? Right. And Trump did more for the pro-life movement than any president in American history by virtue of who he put on the Supreme Court and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we still have fights, obviously. We have to change hearts and minds, ultimately. that That's my position on it. Uh, but it's a state's issue like it should be. 
And now we at least have the opportunity um, to to actually create policies that reflect our faith and our belief system, whereas before we didn't. They just told us it doesn't matter. It's the law of the land. And now we're in an election season. I've heard many Christians even during the midterms when it wasn't the red wave that we were kind of falsely led to believe to expect you know, that we can't win on the issue of abortion. And I pushed back and I said, you know, we have to engage in this battle. Uh, we can't just back off and change our principles uh, because of the left or we can't win. And that's just not how it works. We've got to we've got to fight harder to convince people. Uh, but I also understand pragmatism. And if this is an issue, as people believe in elections, and for example, you've seen Trump come out and kind of kind of move back on the issue of abortion, um, you know, I, I guess I, I look at the work that's done. Uh, if you're trying to get votes from, you know, enough people to win a general election, I mean, look, the, 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 the Democrats, what do they do every time? They're radical Marxists. And every time they run, what do they do? They, 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 they tell people more or less what they want to hear. I mean, it's worse for the Democrats, but they pretend to be moderate to win elections and then they go to doing what they're going to do. So as a, as a pilot, somebody who works in politics behind the scenes, who understands elections and politics and kind of how it's a little bit separate from, you know, my personal religious life. Um, you know, if, if you've got to take a position in a general election where, you know, you're going to, you're, you're not going to make abortion the big issue. If, if you're going to, if you're going to try and, you know, say, Hey, I, if you're not going to play into the media narrative, knowing what, how they're going to use the talking points to try and get voters uh, to turn against you. I, I just I don't have an issue with it. And, you know, my faith is bigger than one person, Donald Trump, DeSantis or somebody else. But at the end of the day, the stakes of this election are so enormous that it's so clear that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. The guy has sacrificed so much for this country. His his his, you know, four year term was unprecedented in terms of the opposition Trump-Russia collusion was a coup. Quid pro quo was another coup. We had, I mean, all of these efforts to, to dislodge him, and he still got results for us. So he can win. He got more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016. Um, I, I just am a pragmatist, and we can win with this person. He's not perfect, but he's the guy we need at this time because he's a fighter. And he look at what he's been willing to withstand you know, we've got Trump fatigue syndrome and we falsely believe that Trump's the problem rather than the deep state and Democrats and rhinos. They think that, oh, if we go with DeSantis, these attacks are going to stop. Things are going to. It's not true. The problem isn't our candidate. The problem is not going to go away because the problem is a communist media and propaganda machine that hates America. Yeah. But what about the main tweets? <laughs> what about the main tweets? Yeah. I miss them, actually. I miss those <laughs> Well, they, they were exciting. Uh, that's by the sure. way, Drew, if you haven't read the book, he actually has a a, 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 a a chapter that says, but his main tweets, and you'll enjoy that one. It's a fun one. Uh, Drew, let me ask you this. While we're on the, the topic of Trump, and I mentioned it earlier, we're seeing some unprecedented yeah. things done on the political front. Colorado, Michigan, Maine, all had attempts to take Donald Trump off the ballot uh, Michigan, I believe it was, or Ohio won the, uh, their Supreme Court put an end to it. The other two states are still in play, as far as I know, and I know there's lawsuits filed by the same gentleman in 24 or 25 other states. Um, this is un an unprecedented way to stop a candidate. Now, 
they're doing this on the basis of the 14th Amendment that, that Donald Trump uh, created or committed treason by uh, the uprising on January the 6th. But while he has not been convicted of that, which if he is, that, that changes this argument a little bit, but without him even being convicted, states are taking it on themselves to remove him from the ballot. I've never seen anything like this, and I'm really shocked that it's been allowed to to go on as long as it has. Yeah, I think that every American should be very appalled and worried by the brazenness of the tyranny, right? I mean, they don't even pretend. They don't care what you think. Uh, they're just going forward with this sort of stuff. Uh, I would suggest that what you're going to see from the Democrat Party in the near future is a continued effort to delegitimize the Supreme Court. There is no way that the Supreme Court, you know, if, if any of these cases go to the Supreme Court, I think there's like a 99.9% chance that they're going to say, you're crazy, uh, he's on the ballot, you can't do this. But you've already seen them lay the, lay the seeds and the groundwork to attack Clarence Thomas, to attack basically anyone, anybody who's a more or less uh, originalist justice on the court who actually believes in the Constitution and does their job. And I think they want a lot of these things to go to the Supreme Court because, because he, look, I am more fearful of this scenario. Let's say all of these things, look, they're trying to force all these things to the Supreme Court. And I think the Supreme Court wisely told Jack Smith to pound sand when he tried to get uh, his most recent case uh, to, you know, expedite, you know, he wants this March, whatever, second, third uh, date for a prosecution, a trial of Trump. And the, the Supreme Court said, no, you have to go to the appellate court in D.C. You can't circumvent them. I think that was wise. But I think that the, they, they want to put these in the hands of the Supreme Court, knowing that the Supreme Court will likely rule in Trump's favor because that's the lawful uh, <laughs> way to go. But what what if they and what you will hear from them is they'll say, the court, the Supreme Court is interfering in the election, not us. We're just trying to do our jobs because Trump's a crook and the Supreme Court is saving him. That's what they'll say. But what happens if a, uh, well, any of these Democrats in these states, whether it's a secretary of state, whether it's the state legislature, whether it's the governor, what happens if they defy the Supreme Court? What happens if the Supreme Court says Colorado, pound sand, you're lunatics on the Supreme Court there. This is crazy. You can't take him off the ballot. And then Colorado says, screw you. You're corrupt. We're doing it anyway. Then we have a real constitutional crisis. Wow. All right, we'll come back. We're going to finish our conversation uh, with Drew Allen. The book's called America's Last Stand. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues right after this. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. All right, so America's Last Stand, the 2024 election is coming up. We're talking with the author of the book, uh, Drew Thomas Allen. You can get this um, wherever books are sold. And highly suggest to get it because, as he said, once the election's over, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. so... Let me couple, couple can, of things. Can, can yeah. I follow up on that last sure. one just a minute? So, yeah. Drew, uh, yeah, I thought I thought you laid that out excellent. What is to stop right. us, right. the conservatives here, from doing the same thing to Joe Biden? Why don't we get on the air and ask a lawyer to come forward and say, "Look, Joe Biden, we got receipts, we got canceled checks that he's got from his brother, from his son, who also have canceled checks coming from foreign powers." It looks like. 
were, were buying access to the president or when he was vice president. To me, that is an insurrection. That is treason against the United States of America. Why don't we take Joe Biden off the ballot? We haven't had a court case. We haven't had anybody convict him, but let's take him off the ballot. What if we started doing that? What happens? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of people have argued that we should be doing that to make a point. Um, you know, I, I haven't made up my mind either way, if it's good or bad. I mean, I would honestly like to see it tried at this point. I think the problem with the Republican Party is we don't do anything. I think the <laughs> the problem with the Republican Party is they, uh, you know, they seem to constantly be running for election. You know, they're telling us they're running because we're, they're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then once they actually have the power to do it, they try to give up that power because they don't want to make the decision. It's I've never seen a party that desires such irrelevancy than the Republican Party. It's very frustrating. I'm not telling you to abandon the Republican Party. I'm not telling you to start a third party. I'm not telling you to not vote for Republicans and to let Democrats win. I'm not saying that at all. But we have a serious problem we have to confront in the Republican Party as well because uh, they do not care. And it's a, it's this, look, this is an unsettling conversation and answer. Uh, Republicans, by and large, do not care about your problems. They actually don't exist to do anything uh, except to be a foil in some ways, to 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 pretend that they oppose the Democrat Party. But, you know, whether it's corruption or whatever else, it's very um, it's very sad to me because the Republican Party has such a rich history. We are the party of Lincoln. We were created for the express purpose of filling a void. And that was there was no party to address the issue of slavery and Democrats. And so the Republican Party was born to confront that issue and lead us into the future. And now we have been neutered. We've neutered ourselves. And of course, the Democrat Party has no good history whatsoever. They have been vile since their inception, and they are still uh, a terrible party today. No, no, you're wrong. Because <laughs> what they're saying is they're not those old Democrats. That's actually now the Republicans. <laughs> they actually say that. They they actually say that. When when you bring up this historic stuff that's you cannot dispute, they're like, oh no, no, no. The Democrats that were for slavery, the Democrats that were against the civil rights movement, those are actually today's Republicans. I mean, that's really what they'll say. And 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 of course now if anybody's ever done anything wrong in their past, they say you can never forget it. If you were point out to what they did in the past, they say, please forget it. <laughs> oh, think think about this. I love this because Barack Obama and Democrats say that we have racism in our DNA. So if you're a white person, if you're cursed with white skin at birth, um, you cannot choose whether or not to be a racist. You simply are racist by virtue of, you know, uh, uh, pale skin like myself, sunburn uh, uh, skin. And uh, but but then they say that you can choose your own gender. You can choose your own pronouns. That, of course, is not in your DNA. Uh, it's just, it, it's insane to me. But I, I write about this in the book because honestly, if I mean, I, I think, you know, I call it, it's the, it's the myth of the big switch is what you're talking about. And yep. it's, it's, yes, the Democrats say that uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, uh, when he passed the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964, when he signed it into law, that was the moment, the definitive moment that the Democrats became the champions of blacks and that Republicans became the champions of racism. They, we switched. And of course, you have to be a very ignorant person to believe that and ignore all of history. Um, Lyndon Baines Johnson, of course, did that uh, as a political calculation. He himself had opposed 
civil rights legislation for his entire history. Republicans had, had repeatedly tried to pass civil rights legislation and Democrats would filibuster it and prevent it from happening. And the reality is when that Civil Rights Act under Lyndon Bain James Johnson was signed, one, it was John F. Kennedy's bill, by the way, but uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, they had a supermajority, the Democrats, so they could have passed anything they wanted without a single Republican vote. And they couldn't pass it because racist Democrats wouldn't do it. So it was actually Republicans who ensured that that bill went through and was signed. Uh, and then, of course, Lyndon Baines Johnson uh, replaced Jim Crow with welfare right. and the rest is history. Yep. So with five minutes left, and I, that's not enough time for this, I'm going to ask you two <laughs> final things. Number one, which may be pretty quick, can Joe Biden seriously run for a second term? And if no, what what's the plan with the Democrats? And then two, um, you asked the question, which Ronald Reagan asked, uh, were you better off under Trump or under Biden? Do you think it's gotten so bad that people actually will answer that question honestly? So two things. Number one, can Biden even possibly cognitively and physically run for another term? And, and what about the question of are people ready to, to acknowledge how bad it's gotten since Trump went away? Number one, Joe Biden is not cognitively or physically able to run, but he wasn't really in 2020 either. I think it's obviously gotten worse since then, it has. but they will try to run him. There's a lot of speculation. So no doubt. Place him. Yeah. You, you, don't think plan that, a. you don't think the good governor of California is not campaigning and running a shadow campaign as we speak? Yep. You got vultures. You got vultures that are waiting to step in. Because look, I don't mean this with any malice, okay? Uh, as much as I dislike and despise Joe Biden, you know, I'm not a leftist. I don't wish harm on people. But he is truly a fall away from being out of it. Yep. I mean, that, that, that's just the reality of the situation. So knowing that, yeah, there could be other alternatives, but the Democrats don't really have a plan. Their plan is to run Joe Biden uh, because, look, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for this politically. I mean, he's still there's a reason that the oatmeal brain in chief, the diaper wearing uh, 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 individual that pretends to be the president, he's been the most effective Marxist in uh, American political history. I mean, there, there's something uh, to be said because. It's actually a strength of theirs because we all have to acknowledge that he's not actually running things. So there's this, there's this void of, of accountability. How do you hold anyone accountable? We all know that Joe Biden isn't really making decisions. Yes, he should be impeached. Yes, he's a crook. Yes, he's guilty of treason at the border. Yes, he's guilty of treason in terms of selling out his country to China and other uh, uh, bidders in foreign enemy nations. But at the end of the day, we know it's Obama and his people that are there. So how do you get to these people? No one's ever held accountable. So yes, they're going to try and run him. Two, yes, Reagan asked the famous question during his one and only debate with Jimmy Carter. He said, he looked in the camera like I'm doing now, and he said, are you better off today than you were four years ago? And the answer was an unequivocal, absolutely not. And that should be the gold standard. And it should be the gold standard now. The difference now, which is unique, and I point this out in the book, and I beg people, beg people, beg people to contemplate this, not just the stakes, but ask this question. We have lived under Biden, and we have lived under Trump. You've got a choice between Trump and Biden. That's what it's going to be. Let's be pragmatists. Let's look at the, the, the positives. Yeah. Let's support our guy, because what we have is so much better than them, and we can win. Um, but are you better off under Biden than Trump? No, in no way. And- 
I just got, I have this to say too, and I know I'm going crazy. I'm passionate. It's because I'm in California and I wake up and I'm talking to sane people. It's like, gets me excited. <laughs> this is why I wrote the book. So I could come on with you and, and actually, you know, have a, a therapy session. No, um, yeah. It, it's important. I think that your passion, we got two minutes, but it's important because I, I think we have to rattle people out of this false world that we're living in and go, let's get down to what's real folks. This is a question that is real. And Drew, let me ask you this: uh, the Trump drawback. Uh, we we refer and and look, we've we've met President Trump. We've we've been around him a couple of times. I, I'm always have been impressed with him, but he he does rub some people the wrong way. The past election, uh, you know, the soccer moms they they didn't like the way he he bullied. They didn't like the way he texted. Is is can we is that ever going to change or is that just going to be part of it? No, it's not going to change. He's from Queens. I mean, that's the personality. I think that it actually is a weapon that we need right now in terms of what we're dealing with. But also, you wouldn't be having this conversation. Joe Biden is so much worse. He he smears, you know, everyone who voted for Trump as a domestic terrorist. Trump doesn't talk like that. But nobody has this conversation about Joe Biden of being this monster, this bully, because the media doesn't portray him that way. People need to learn to judge people based on their own experiences and what they that what they see with their own eyes eyes and ears, as opposed to what the media is feeding them. There's a narrative. Trump's a threat to democracy. It's not true. Trump is this. Trump is that. It's not true. But the media is not going to stop telling you that. And so we have to just say, look, yeah, Trump Trump says these things and does these things. And I don't, I don't love them, but it doesn't make him a monster. It doesn't doesn't make him, uh, you know, disqualified from Unfit, running. Yeah. And yeah, and he sacrificed for us. Nobody would take the slings and arrows like he has for nearly eight years. Well, you've said it. I mean, for times like these, you got to have somebody that can fight the battle that's out there, not the battle you wish was out there. So there it is, Drew Thomas Allen, America's Last Stand. Uh, grab it, read it, be ready for this upcoming crucial election. And thank you, Drew, for taking time to be with us today. And uh, thanks to all of you for taking time to listen and or watch this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.